Welcome to Winterfell, the grooviest pod, the grooviest podcast about game, game, Game of Thrones. My name is Mark, and with me, as always, is the beautiful Rachel. Hello. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about episode one, season four of the Game of Thrones. Um, before before we get in 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 into that i have some news um we are currently uh waiting to be approved for itunes but we are on the windows store so if you get on your windows phone and type in um welcome to to Alterfell, um you will find our a pod our 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 podcast there we are this show is is a part of the um, of the Screeching Dog Network, which you can find at screechingdog.com. And there you will find the the other shows that Rachel and I pro produce. Um, but getting in into the show, um, what overall, just on a scale of like one to ten. What did you think about the uh, about the show? Well, I thought basically it was a great inter- introductory show. You know, introducing the the new season and um, just kind of let us know where everybody was. Um, some of them were poised for war, and um, I don't know. I just thought it was a a great opening show. Scale of one to ten, um, I would give it a nine for a first episode of the season. You know, overall show. You know, hey, we've seen the Red Wedding, so yeah, that too. was definitely that. That there was was definitely an an eleven on the scale of one uh of you know ten. Yes, but every every episode isn't like that, so you know. Well, um, the uh, name of this show was Twin Swords. I mean, Two Swords, which is very poetic because the show O. Opens up with Tywin Lannister, who is melting down a rather large sword and is having that steel made into two separate swords. Um, which I don't know if the casual watcher of the show would know this, but the sword that was melted down to create the two swords was actually Ned Stark's um sword that that was used to behead the um the gentleman that was part of the a night's watch that had fled which is actually a very wow was, that's deep <laughs> yeah um that's actually very insulting to the Stark family um and what he did was that he then gave one of those swords to his son Jamie. Um, and this scene right here between Tywin and ja- and uh, Jamie is very very interesting because Jamie, who no takes who you know takes takes a sword, is he has he has decided that he wants to stay on as part of the king's guard. And his father is like, no, you will take your ass home, and you will run Cat Cat Castle Rock, 
in my stead. Um, what? How did you feel about the scene and the fact that Jamie pretty much just said, fuck, uh, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do? Well, I can't really blame him. I mean, he, he just came back from being in, in captivity for quite a while, and he just kind of wants to, you know, he wants to go back to the way it was. But isn't it interesting that of you no know, Tywin's children, he is the only one who has openly to his face said no to so- to something that Tywin uh, wanted. Yeah, it is. <laughs> kind of says about a lot about his kahunas. Yeah. Um. Well, um, Tywin pr- pretty much insults him and says, "Well." You are a one-handed, no honor, no family man who is going to be a, a, a part of the King's Guard. Have fun. Um, but I love the little swagger that you no know, that Jamie had as he was walking out of the room, like "fuck you, oh oh man." Um, and then and then you know, and the very next scene we see uh a a Tyrion. Braun and Podrick Payne, the man with the big cock who loves to, who all the whores and kings of Landing love, they are waiting on the on the road outside of the city, waiting for Dorian Mar Martell, who has come for the wedding of Joffrey. Um, well, Dorian Martell does not actually show show up. In fact, it is Oberyn. Mart Mart Martell who uh, does, and I'll be honest, I didn't know who this person was until later on, when you hear the actual backstory between him and a Tyrion. Um, what did you think of that whole backstory and why, and the fact that why he was there? to be again with well i found it extremely interesting it's kind of like okay we have yet another um person of interest step into this um battle it's (laughs) a whole plot twist right there yeah it is and um but i found it to be very interesting and i thought Tyrion handled it well because he seems to be a person of of conscience and compassion and you know, I thought he handled the situation well, but yeah, I was, I was like, yay, okay, another plot twist. This is cool. Yeah. Um, well, okay. What did you think of Prince Obron and his? I want to say his woman. I don't know if that was his wife or, or not. That they were at the um at the uh, at the uh, brothel. Well, you know, and, he he introduced her as his paramour. Which I'm beginning to understand that that was what, like a companion or something? Yeah, with benefits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, friend with benefits, that's what that would be, yes. And I find it interesting that they pretty much have a pretty relaxed, open relationship because she was there looking for a woman and he was there looking for for a, a dude. Uh very very interesting and then she gets then she gets turned on when he assaults the two gentlemen of the Lannisters and yeah that that whole thing was very very out there 
Uh, and, I have a definition for paramour, if okay. you would like to hear it. Yes. A person with whom someone is having a romantic or sexual relationship, and especially a secret or improper relationship. Really? So there you go. Yeah. She was introduced as his paramour. She's his playmate. Well, she also describes herself as a, a bastard, too, which means that she was born out of wedlock. Um, and I, I had never... Well, I found it interesting that she described herself that way because we've, you know, haven't... I don't think I've ever heard of a woman referred to as a bastard. I was just about to say that. I was like, that is very... That's the first. I mean, it's... Wow, okay. Um, but I guess that it that that there would actually happen. I mean, they're just not boys that are bastards. Um, in the in the next scene, we see Daenerys Targaryen who is chilling with her dragons. In fact, one of them thinks that it is a friggin' lap a friggin' lap dog, and these things are about the size of a horse, and. One of the dragons. So is, reminds me of our pit bull from for uh, the network is named Screeching Dog Network because yes. she doesn't bark, she screeches. She's American Pit and about thirty five pounds and is convinced that she is a lap dog. So it was funny when the um dragon was laying its head across um Daenerys lap and you said, Well, there's Jill. Yeah. <laughs> and she was being and the dragon was being stroke going, Oh yeah. Yes, exactly. It was funny. It was just like Jill. If yes. only she had just, you know, bathed her face in kisses, you know. Mm-hmm. Well mm, yum I yum. Don't, don't know if I would do that to a dragon, but hey. Dragon kisses, you know, yum. Yeah. Um I I will tell you something. I think that the CGI on these dragons are really phenomenal. The uh, the uh, detail is the best that I have ever seen. I mean, it was really really good. Um, yeah, it was, and I can't wait until Joffrey gets sight of Joffrey. those dragons. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Um. Screw Joffrey. Anyway, um, and uh, we see a little, this is a very curious scene where two of the uh, dragons are flying around and they are fighting over a dead, over a dead, a dead lamb. And Drogon, who is the biggest of the uh, dragons that was, you know, nuzzling with Danny, decides to join the fight and she tries to calm him down and without warning... Drogon just snaps at her and is like, back the fuck off. Don't you think that was a foreshadowing, though? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I found it, is, you know, I was sitting there, I've been thinking about it for most of the day going, well, what could that re re represent? And to me, it's maybe she doesn't have as much control over these dragons as she thinks that she does. That might lead to something down the road. Yeah, I think we might be watching the dragons about to run amok at some point in time. I, I, I do. I felt like that was foreshadowing at the time. It just That's just what hit me when it happened. Well, you know, I had thought ab about it. And before all the, uh, and before all the dragons you know, died off and the Targaryens were in, were in power, I'm sure that they taught their children how to handle these beasts 
And because she's the only one left that has dragons, no one has ever taught her a damn thing. Maybe that has a lot to uh, to uh, do with it. I know, but like she's the dragon lady. Is it not supposed to be intuition for her? Or no? Or Well, I, shit. I don't have a dragon, so I have no idea. <laughs> um, I hear you. <laughs> Um, Jorah, who was watching this and entire thing, walks up be, behind her and tells her that dragons can never be attained. Yes, that they're wild. They can't even be tamed even by their mother. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's like, I think it's a foreshadowing. That's just that's just my thing. I could be wrong. Don't mind if I am, but it just kind of looked like that to me. Oh, what, oh. what other purpose did it serve, you know? Right. Um. Well, after after that, she uh, she returns to her army of unsullied, which is uh, there's a great shot of her walking in between the two ranks, going to go find uh, God, what's his name, Dario Naharis and a Grey Worm, and you'd really ha- I have never you never really see a large drawn back shot of the entire army but damn that is one massive fucking army and it just proves that she is a force to to be reckoned with i know but i'm like i'm not wondering are they do they just stand there all day well it's obvious that they were i think that they had just broke camp and that they were forming in in order to start to march for 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 uh that for for that day. So that's what I think. I think that okay. That, okay. that 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 entire scene just took just you know took place. I'd say middle middle a morning. Um. But they find that she finds that Grey Worm and Dario are gambling to see who can ride at her. At her side, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is really cute. I thought, but we also find that the character of Dario has been recast to someone who looks completely different. Which yes, he does. He's still a stud muffin, but he doesn't have the. Um, he's, not, he's not as arrogant as the other guy was. I know, but the other guy kind of fit the profile better to me. Mm-hmm. This guy seems very—he's very sexy, he's very cute, he's very romantic, but. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that would cut off two uh, two of his comrades' heads and bring them to Khaleesi, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, I hate that. I mean, I hope the actor went on to bigger <laughs> and better things. He was very sexy. Mm-hmm. But this other one's eye candy, too, so hey. Well, they find, uh, she finds them just sitting on the ground holding swords in, in uh, both hands, which she found out that they had been doing it since... About midnight, and she pretty much just lays a law down. Why don't you tell them what she actually did? That was so funny. Oh, no. What I loved about it, I'm just going to bring up some personal stuff right here. I could just see the way they were holding those swords in both hands, uh-huh. just hold them up so they wouldn't hit the ground. I kept thinking about that story that you told me about when you were in basic training in the Navy. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of at that very moment. <laughs> yeah, M I T. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, and, but um, see, they are—they were doing it voluntarily. 
Yeah, they were, but, you know, they were... (laughs) true but still that's what i thought of but anyway yeah she was like you know the first person to uh the last person whose sword hits the ground is i don't know what she said but anyway it made them drop their sword really quick yes and she still but she still put them at the back of the line to guard the cattle she <laughs> gonna <laughs> let them right up front with her because of their keeping her waiting yeah yeah um she she doesn't give anybody an opportunity to doubt that she's in control. Yes, and she is, and as each episode goes on, as each season goes on, you see her become more and more like a queen, like someone who can, who is being very assertive, who's taking control, and someone who you could actually see that could rule over the Seven of Kingdoms. She reminds me more of a commander or a general. Than a queen, but you know, I have my own idea of a queen. But yeah, yeah, she's she doesn't let anybody get the upper hand on her. She's she's definitely taken command of that entire group, no doubt. Yes. Um. What I want to do is stick with this storyline and just skip to the end, which is where this storyline continues, and then just go back to the to the other scenes, because that that this one right here is very Im- important because you know they are marching to a uh, a city called marine or i can't even pronounce that figure name but it is supposedly supposed to be the um mother of all slave cities and they are marching on the on the road when suddenly the troops just stop so she approaches the head of the column and she finds a slave who has been killed and in a sense cru- crucified on the side of the road um and then she finds out that there is one f- that there is one slave like this for at every mile in between there and the and the uh, city now i don't know if you it if you caught this, but if you were to look at the slave up on the cross and how she is po, you know, put there, um, she has one hand on her chest pointing down, pointing down the road, and then the and then the and then the other arm is extended down the road like, like it is meant to say, why don't you come this way? Yeah, they're using them for mile markers and for directions. Yeah, it's definitely for road signs. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it is definitely like we know we know that you are coming. Why don't you just accept our hospitality and and just follow our no trail? It's very sick. <laughs> yes, yeah, extremely sick. And Khaleesi is going to take care of that, though. Yes, because. Um, Jorah wants to uh, have them buried be, be, be before she you know gets to each one, and she's like, no, I want to see each and every one of them. But basically saying, um, the more that I see this, the more pissed that I am going that I am going to get. Well, I think it's more than that. I think what she's doing is saying, I see you, I see your suffering. I see what you've gone through. I honor you. She ordered that 
the slave's collar be removed before she was buried. Yes. And I think it is her way of honoring those dead slaves. And it, it, what it, what it says is what kind of compassion that she has and intolerance that she has for this type of treatment of a fellow human being. Yes. Which it just totally endears us even more to her. Well, yeah, I mean, she is on this campaign to free us slaves. I mean, which in which in the long run is not a bad thing because the more that she frees, the the more that they go, uh, you know, we I love you. No, the bigger that her army is, and eventually she she will cross, and she's going to bring a massive force with with uh with her but but on the way she is going to free as many people as she can absolutely what she's doing see is she's freeing these people from the tyranny and from the terror but also she's giving them a way to live to survive in other yes. words you know if they decide that they're going to be a part of her camp I'm sure they're assigned a job, something to do, but they have somewhere to go. They don't, you know, they have food to eat. They have clothes to wear. She's going to take care of them if they want to serve. And if they don't, go off and do your thing. But you're not going to sit here and be slaves to these horrible people as long as she's around. Mm -hmm. So I love Khaleesi for that, you know. I love her for that. Well, with, you know... With each scene that she's in, she becomes more and more interesting, and I am just digging this entire storyline. Um, all right, now going going back to the previous scenes, um, we see uh, Jamie and Cersei who are finally reunited, and Jamie is being outfitted with a a golden hand. Um. Which I'll, which I will be honest. Before the show started, I was hoping that he was going to get a a golden hand. That would just been really, cool. yeah, that would just been cool really? as shit. Um, well, it could be extremely heavy, depending on depending upon how much other metals were mixed with it. Well, it you know, did. if it's like pure gold, it's not that heavy if it's hammered thin, but he looks like it was extremely heavy and extremely cumbersome. And I, I'll just be honest with you. I feel like he might have taken offense with having to wear the damn thing because, oh, yeah. you know, she, you know, she was all about, you know, um, I spent the better, you know, I spent a week, you know, choosing the right gold and blah, blah, blah. he said a week and she said, okay, the better part of an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> He's and, like, um, I know you too well for yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah, but it was almost like it was more for her benefit than he is. Like, she didn't want to see a stump. You know, like a stump yeah. bothered her. Like, what the crap? Well, of course, uh, apparently I grew up with a granddad other things that, bothered her too, so because... Yeah, she had issues with a lot of things. Well, because... Know, but he that's tried what to, she does. Well, when he tried to, you know, come on to, to her and say, hey, hey, a baby, she was like, excuse me? You you left me, and he was sitting there going, "Well, I cannot help being a uh, being a captured and being held a prisoner." You know, I did everything that I could. I even murdered in order to, you know, try to uh, get away. And she was like, 
you took too you you took too too long and i'm like bitch really yeah, who says that you took too long you took too long. Oh my God! You were a captive for too long. You were, you remained under their control for just too long. It was just, it was your choice to be kidnapped. Oh, <laughs> and, you just see her like diva personality come through once again. Nothing, nothing she says can surprise me at this point. You know. And you know what actually gets me about this entire scene is that do tell. Um, he is you know, going. Uh, how about a little something? Some some. She she completely reabukes him, and during the entire scene, you actually forget that they are brother and sister. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, it was just like watching an old married couple fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I mean, other I than the content there, about which they were fighting, you know, yeah, attitude I am sitting there like, watching this going. No, they are fighting over incest. Okay, that is one, and they make it believable. And you're like, I, I just completely forgot that they were brother and a sister, is, and twins at that too. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, strange stuff. <laughs> so the scene goes on, and Jamie is. Starting to make plans about Joffrey's a wedding, who will guard who, and blah blah blah. And Joffrey starts to be a little bastard and start to uh, poke fun at Jamie's missing hand and the fact that he is not in the in this book that shows all the King's Guard's greatest deeds. I mean, he is in the book, but there's nothing written down as as far as his good deeds and i'm sitting there watching this going okay well they they are having a little chide attack back and forth he knows that joffrey is his son joffrey has no idea and i am sitting there wondering i'm I wonder if he wants to take him and put him over his knee and just spank the shit out of him. But he can't. Okay, back up a sec. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if our listeners know this and I don't. Sorry. I apologize right now, but wait a minute. Jamie knows that Joffrey yes. is his son. Yes. Okay. H how do we know Jamie knows this? Because they talk about it and, I mean, uh, it's open. I mean... Uh, Cersei knows, Jamie knows, everybody knows that Jamie and Cersei, you know, spawned Joffrey. Except um, for Joffrey. Except for well, and me, well, well, <laughs> well, Joffrey has heard the rumors. Okay. But when he went to his mom and she went, uh, no, um, he doesn't believe it, or he, or, or, you know, in fact, he just might, and he's just a sick bastard and doesn't care. Well, the thing is, if he believed it, if, it, if everybody knew it, I mean, he would not, he couldn't be king. Well, well, everybody can know it, but nobody can prove it.
because right now the only the only person that could that you know could challenge that is is you no know, Ned and Ned is dead. Because in the first season, Ned had all this proof, had all these bloodlines, and blah, 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 blah. And that was why he was killed. That was why his you know, wall climb on the sun was pushed out the window. Because if anybody found found out that these two were ha- no, ha- having sex, then they would go, well, is Joffrey their son? So. I guess I missed the whole thing where, you know, they were talking about it openly. I just, I totally just missed that. But at any rate, Joffrey doesn't believe it, and he feels completely and totally entitled to everything he's been given. Oh, yeah. I mean. Which, you know, it, makes him so great. We love okay, to hate Joffrey. Let me ask you this. You know, in that in that scene, Joffrey talks about how he was the one that re, that repelled. Uh, the army attacking King's 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 Landing. That he was the one that is feeding the people. That he's the one. Blah 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 blah. Do you actually believe that he? Do you do you actually think that he believes what he's saying, or is he just trying to come across as kingly, even though he knows that he's a fucking a coward? Oh, I think he believes it. You think that he is just that out of touch with reality? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I think he is that self-absorbed. Yeah, I think he believes it. Yeah, I do. Well, um... Okay, well, going from there, we move on to Sansa Stark, who is, um... She is not eating. She is not talking. She wants to be uh, alone. Because she found out that basically her entire family was murdered, and as far as she knows, she is the only she is the only Stark left. Peter Adinklage, um, uh, Tyrion, shows up and he's like, you know, you have got to eat, and starts to, you know, try to uh, try try to comfort her, and I find the fact that he. This guy is just in an impossible situation with his wife who hates him because his dad had his family killed, his mistress, he he wants to be with her, but he can't because he's married and he you know he takes his vows seriously. And she is and she is pissed off because she thinks that um that he that he doesn't want to be with her anymore. You got his dad who hates him. His sister hates him. The only person that I see that does not really hate him is is a Jamie. And I'm just like, man, this this guy cannot win for a losing. Yeah, well, he can't catch catch a break. And sometimes he feels like a victim, and sometimes he acts like one. Sometimes he just totally succumbs and just gets totally shit-faced and just says, fuck it. Yeah. But, you know, the truth is he's got this great big heart. I mean, he's very compassionate and empathizes with what his family has done, you know, without his support or without his 
initiation of anything. He's just and 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 there are times when you can see it that he feels completely trapped in the role that he's been placed in. You know, he just he just feels like you know, hey, I'm a Lannister. This is who I was born to. This is the place we're in. But you can also see the the sorrow and the disgust and the um, remorse for what his family has put on other people. So it makes him a great character because he's so he's conflicted and he's he's not all good, but he's certainly not all bad, and that's human nature. Well, do you think that eventually? And I'm just you no know, speaking on down the road because. You know, you and I have not read the books. We've chosen not to read the books. We've chosen not to get audio books because we want to be completely, you know, spoiler free in this show. Um, speaking on just what you know with the show, do you think that eventually he will turn against his family and start doing his own thing? Or is he just too tied to that family? and his honor to actually do that. I think Tyrion would if he were given the opportunity and knew that things would be handled well and that he would be taken care of and that everything would be okay. I don't think he would just sell out his family, you know, just sell them out and right. say to heck with them. Um, you give a man out, I'll betray them, I'll do whatever. I don't think he would do that because that's his blood and that he does hold sacred it, even at the same time while he loathes some of the things that his family does and who can't relate to that, right? right. Absolutely. You know, we can all relate to that. Um, but that's his family and so he would never just hand them over to someone who was going to kill or torture his family or in, imprison them in any way. But if he could, if he met an adversary worthy enough to where his family would be spared any pain, but yet they would be removed from power and be stopped from hurting anyone else. And he also knew that the person he was allying himself with would not be just another Lannister family. Right. Then yes, I think he would, because I think that's the kind of character he is, but that would have to be a perfect storm. That's and just that, my opinion. And that would be hard to, accomplished right there exactly um later on we find that sansa is in the woods and she is you don't know you can't tell if she's praying or or not but she's just you know ch chilling so she decides to you know and this is a great scene right here also with jamie and what's her name um brianna where she is trying to hold him to his vow to take Sansa you know, out of that place to you know, somewhere safe. And you can see Jamie who's trying to you know, talk his way out of actually doing that. How, how, up until that point, you really start to feel and you, and you really start to like Jamie. Does that scene do anything to tarnish that for you? What I see with Jamie is somebody who has been through hell and he, you know, experienced a lot of different things along the way, along with losing his hand. 
you know, and that makes you question a lot of things and not only that, but he got involved with her and in a way that, you know, he, he grew respectful. What's her name? The really, really tall blonde chick who's Bri so amazing. Brienne. Brienne. He, I think he gained a lot of respect for her and um, because, I mean, she, she totally earned it during their journey. Absolutely. Hands down. Totally earned it. And he, and he went back for her. And I think what he's found himself in is he has a desire for everything to go back the way it was before he was captured. You know, he had this thing with his sister, which is to us is gross. To him, it was a relationship. It was a romance. So, right. and, and he's struggling with that along with, you know, realizing, okay, if I take Sansa, where am I going to take her? And he has a legitimate truly a legitimate problem there where he, where would he take sansa and if he does take sansa then that causes a whole nother you know just drama with his family who has been dropping drama on him for weeks ever since he got back right so he's kind of caught in the catch-22 and there's not a clear okay you take sansa this is the right thing to do, and you take her here, and she's safe. He doesn't have that anymore. So see, I, I can see where he's coming from. See, and this is why I think that eventually uh, Tyrion and Jamie are going to start doing something to together because these two are just getting shit on by their family left and 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 a right. Well, I, I'll just tell you, I don't think she could be any safer in King's Landing. Than she is with Tyrion. I really don't. Yeah, because I think that he would actually try to, you know, take. The, oh, he'll the, take the, care of her yeah. because because he has that kind of character. He has that kind of heart deep down inside. Even though there are times where he just succumbs to feeling like a victim. Oh, everybody calls me midget. They call me this. They call me dwarf, that. They call me dwarf. They call me short. They call me. Yeah, there are times where he succumbs to being a victim and he feels sorry for himself and he goes on a drunken thing. But the truth of the matter is he cares about her and he has a lot of compassion for what she's going through. And he also feels, I think, a lot of guilt that his family is the one that caused it. Because oh, yeah. the girl is innocent. Regardless of what her family did to his family, the girl is innocent. And I, But I think she's safer with him than she would be anywhere else, truly. Now, as to whether or not, you know, the big blonde giant Brianna realizes that or not mm -hmm. I don't know but I think Tyrion she's you know Sansa is safer with him than anywhere else I think well I think that Brienne is going to have something to do with Sansa I think that she's going to because I mean she hold Caitlyn with income you know in very high regard and when Caitlyn was I know that's Sansa's mom Whenever she was killed, and I think that she's going to, you know, try to look over her and, you know, uh, take care of her from afar. I, because, I mean, she still is hanging out with, with, you know, with, with you know, Jamie, and she might not trust her that much. Um, moving on to the last few scenes that, we, that I want to discuss is um, Arya. I love Arya because yeah. Arya has the heart of a warrior. Yeah, but do you think that she is becoming a sociopath? 
I really don't because I, I really I took a look at the scene where she killed the guy who had taken her sword and had killed her friend way back when her dad had died. Mm-hmm. And I think she is processing this like a warrior who says, you take from me, I take from you, and then they drop it. It's as simple as that. No, I don't think she's cut off from what she's feeling. I think she's very in touch with what she's feeling. She has very real feelings and emotions, and she acts on them in the way that a warrior would. That's why I, that's why I think she's going to be fine. Well, I just, I just find it very – and I don't know if this is – intentional or not but the two people that she killed in that tavern she did it i mean okay you watch the you watch you watch the hound okay when he is going to stab somebody or slap or or you know a slash him he he is a very no a very very fast and with a whole lot of force when she got her needle back and put that damn thing right through that dude's neck. She did it very slowly and she stood there and watched him die. But see, here's the thing. I think what she was doing was put all her pain and all her frustration, all her anger into that moment. Okay. I think she let him know and she wanted to look into his eyes and him recognize her and he did. And for her to feel tit for tat okay i have taken my revenge and you know and i think as far as she is concerned that once she does that it's gone i really do i think she has a warrior's heart okay which is unusual in a woman much less a young girl but i do believe that's what we're seeing that she has a she is so different from her sister sansa so different but yet I don't think anything that she's doing is unhealthy. I mean, if anything's unhealthy, it's what's been done to her. But I feel like when she takes revenge and when she when she stands up and just like, you know, when when she made the attack on the guys who were bragging about what they had done with her brother's body. Yes. Oh, I she, feel like she, she went all she went just friggin' pulp fiction on those people and was like she did. Yeah. She did. She absolutely did. But I feel like she was purging her soul when she did that. I do. Well, and very I think interesting. I, I don't think we're gonna see her go off half cocked or do anything crazy. I think you'll just see that she has the heart of a warrior which says you take from me, I take from you, until you understand that I am in control. I think she has the heart of the warrior. Well, do. what do you think about her and Hound's relationship? Because he talks about, he always talks about that he wants to sell her and get, you know, money. But yet he is, you can tell that he actually feels a little something for her that he feels kind of, paternal towards her oh yeah you know that and and if if he didn't have a paternal bone in his body at this point he respects this girl he respects her guts and her determination and her fearlessness and so yeah you know he talks about selling her to a distant aunt and he may still do it 
who knows? Because, you know, like I said, human nature, people are not all good or all bad. And sometimes people make decisions based on their circumstance and regret, regret it later. And, you know, he could very well decide to just, you know, keep her by his side. And just like she, I mean, she's very open about it. Yes. I mean, she, you know, she says, I want my own horse. And no, 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 you'd run off. She's like, I wouldn't survive Pat, <laughs> through the night without you with me. I mean, she's not stupid. But at she the knows end she of needs the scene, him, so their relationship is very symbiotic, and she has her own horse at the end of the scene, and he has absolutely. his chickens, and so hey, all as well, you know. Yep. Well, um, of course, now John John Snow was in the in the show, but I am intentionally not going to spend, but maybe a minute on on him because. Um, his storyline was not really progressed that much, and I have a feeling that next week is going to be a major thing for him because I've got a feeling that he is going to be one of the most important characters in the entire show. And I think that we're going to start seeing that within the next couple of weeks. You know, John, John, John Snow has healed from his wounds that um, that Egret gave him, you know, with the um, with the three arrows, he stood before the Night's Watch Council and admitted to fucking and admitted to killing Half Hand and and pretty much they decided not to not to do anything to him because he said, yeah, we are about to be overrun and we need to get ready. But throughout this entire time, no one mentions white white walkers or snow zombies or anything. They are too worried about the wildlings, which I think is because you notice that the wildlings who were waiting for the runner to come back that it had been like a month. Um. I don't think that they're going to get any response. I think that all the wildlings beyond the wall are pretty much dead from the from the uh from the White Walker army. What do you think? I think that's very possible, but what I found the most interesting about the little what little time that uh, Jon Snow and the wildlings had was that it was made very clear that if his woman had wanted to kill him, she could have, and she would have. Yeah, it was very obvious that she yeah. had put on a big show saying... Yeah, she yes. didn't want to kill him. I mean, no. we thought, oh my God, the bitch has put three arrows in his ass, but she could have put one in his heart in a minute. Yes. So she was putting on a show for her brothers, and because she couldn't kill him, she just couldn't do it. She loved him. Yeah. Oh, and he even told her, you know... I may be a liar, but I love you and blah. But uh, yeah, I like I said, I don't want to spend too too much time on the Jon Snow a story arc because I got a feeling that maybe not next week, but within the next few weeks, we're going to see just how important this dude is. Um, oh, I agree. You know, he was never given the Stark name, but hands down, he is a Stark. Yes. Well. I'm gonna he, tell was you something. Fathered. he was I'm fathered. I'm going to tell you something. I think that, yes, he is a Stark, but I don't think that he has Ned Stark's blood in, 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 in him. I think that he has Ned Stark's sister's blood in him. 
Really? So you think yes. that Ned Stark took a lot of flack from his wife, save this boy, but to keep secret? Yes. Oh, I can't because, wait to see what's going to happen. I can't because, wait to see what's going to happen in the next episode. I think that Ned Stark was just that fucking honorable that he would just that he would take that secret to his grave, which, you know, if I'm right, he actually did. Oh, he is he's definite martyr material. The dude was a hero. He really was. He well, was he, very honorable well, in everything. Sean Bean he does. is a martyr in everything that he does, so <laughs> but, I know, uh, I know, right. So, um do you have any cl- closing thoughts before we start pimping out a screeching dog? No, I just like totally can't wait till the next episodes. It's going to be great. I can't oh. wait. It's a great uh, season. Um, as we said before, this show is part of the a Screeching Dog uh, network, which we are developing more shows. One of the shows that we're going to start recording and preparation for the new season is Falling Skies. Um, so you need to check on our blog at screechingdog.com in order to know when that there is going to start. Um, we do have another show called Movie Essential, which we need to record the next show in the next couple of days, um, where we take movies, old, new, and in between, and we pretty much just tear them apart, and we decide if we like them or if we don't. Um, the the next movie that we're going to do on that show is the King Speech, which is a very very good show. Um, if um, when this show is finally on i i iTunes, if you want to support us, just go to just go to iTunes and just no no rank us. Tell us it, 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 if you like it. If you don't, why? Um, you're not going. You are not going to hurt our feelings because we because we really want to make this show a better. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com/screechingdog. You can find us on Twitter at at screechingdog. You can find us at screechingdog dot 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 com where where you can also download and and listen to each show. There too, and we also have our uh, show notes for each show. Um, if you want to support us financially, you can get on on our website. Go to go to the sponsors link and click on the on the Amazon banner, which will take you to the Amazon store, Amazon dot dot com, and it won't cost you anything more. It's just they share a little bit of their profit with us. If you be, if you have any uh, uh questions for this show, just send them to um winter um winterfell at screechingdog dot com, or you can use a use the contact form on our on our website. Um, did I miss any any, any anything? Well, I would just say that if you enjoyed this podcast. To please share it with your friends, yes. share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, whatever social network you're on, email it to people, whatever. If you enjoyed it, please share it so that that will help us grow the podcast and keep it coming to you. Okay. Absolutely. That's what I would add. <laughs> well, if that is, if there is nothing else, I think that we'll go ahead and just close this show out and we will see you next week. So everybody have a, have a wonderful week. 
say bye-bye, Rachel. <laughs> bye, guys. Thank you. Love you.